Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for us to pause and remember that God really is at work in our mess. Yes, this is a place where you can come as you are, kick off your shoes, and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement, especially during this hyper-busy time of year. Well, I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this Conversation Style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. We are partnered with the Women of Life Church and huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word, literally in our pockets for free, wherever we happen to find ourselves this holiday season. Well, can you believe we are only two weeks out from Christmas Day? That means we're all smack in the chaos of wrapping and baking and trying to keep the toddlers in our lives from pulling all the ornaments off the Christmas tree. Yes, it is the most wonderful time of the year, but we're also faced with some crazy high expectations that often leave us feeling inadequate and exhausted, most of which have nothing to do with the actual birth of Christ. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to stop and reevaluate what actually matters most. Well, friends, my guest for episode 67 and the grand finale for this 2019 year is my amazing friend, Amy Groeschel. Amy's the co-founder of Life Church alongside of her husband, Craig, as well as the founder of Branch 15, a nonprofit housing ministry for women in transition. She writes Bible studies, leads our women's ministry. She's mom to six kids, mother-in-law to three son-in-laws, and Gigi to two grandbabies. She often jumps in and co-hosts with me on this podcast, but today she's back in the hot seat, excited to share how we can survive and thrive through the nearly impossible expectations of motherhood and Christmas. Speaking of motherhood and Christmas, they really do go hand in hand. 2,000 years ago, God chose a young woman to be the vessel in which the Savior of mankind, God in the flesh, would come into this world. Now, of course, we don't worship Mary, we don't pray to Mary, but we can absolutely honor Mary as Jesus' mom and learn from her as a woman who chose to walk in obedience, even when the circumstances were incredibly messy. You know, I'm sure Mary had her own dreams of how life was supposed to play out. Honestly, I bet it seemed like pretty awkward timing when the angel gave her, an engaged woman, still a virgin, news that she would carry the long-awaited Messiah in her very own body. What would people think? How's this going to go? And more importantly, what will happen in the end? Yet, she surrendered her prepackaged plan into the hand of her faithful God. I'm sure Mary had high expectations for her own journey as a mom, for this son of hers, who no doubt was a miracle from heaven. But no mother plans to give birth in a barn and lay her child in an animal's feeding trough. No mother wants to watch her child suffer and die. Yet once again, she surrendered her expectations and pressed into something greater, something beyond what she could see. We are all familiar with high expectations, and Amy Groeschel knows all about it. She's been mothering for 25 years and has tons of experience, also some mistakes, and lots of learned wisdom to offer each one of us, whether you're a mother or not. So as you run your Christmas errands or wrap presents or drive to another school party, grab your coffee, pop in those earbuds, and join me for a chat with Amy. Well, Amy, welcome back. Hey, Jen. This is going to be a fun one. I love co-hosting with you, but being on this side, getting to talk about motherhood, it's one of my favorite subjects. So I interviewed you nearly two years ago on the podcast. And then like you said, you often jump in and co-host with me as we chat with other incredible women. So today we're going to dig a little deeper into your story, specifically on the topic of motherhood. So refresh everyone's memory. Tell us about you, your family, your passions. Just give us a little peek into your world. Yeah, let's do it. 
Well, my six children, which was a big surprise to me, and Craig, I think that we had six when we planned on two, three are now married, one just this past summer, and that is crazy. Then we have three at home, sort of. Mm -hmm. Sam just graduated high school. He is interning at different churches, feels a call to ministry, so that's really exciting and wonderful. And then we have two still in high school, Stephen and Joy. They are keeping us really with the full house because they constantly have friends over. (laughs) So life is great. And then we've been married 28 years. and And you have some grandbabies, right? Well, that's crazy to forget (laughs) because, yes, they are the yummiest things right now going on in my life. Cole and Kenna, two and six months. It's just wonderful. They are yummy. Do you ever step back and just think, wow, my kids are grown up and they have families of their own? All the time. It really happened, as everyone said it would. And they did marry young. My three oldest girls that are all married, they all married at age 20, like 20 and a half. And one would think, well, we could advise them, you know, that's awfully young. That's too young. But I was the poor example who also married at age 20. So (laughs) we couldn't tell them, you guys can't do that because Mm -hmm. that's what I did. Thankfully, their marriages are strong. When we see them together, we're just thankful. Like, oh, Lord, you know, and they've paired well with people that are great with their personalities. And just you pinch yourself when those things happen and just give thanks all the time. And, And you pray more than probably... I do more than I ever have for my son-in-laws and for my married kids. You don't ever stop really parenting. So, yeah. Goodness. So a little side note, Christmas is basically here. We're kind of smack in the middle of it. And I am curious, what does your family consider to be their all-time favorite Christmas traditions? And it's funny when you said Christmas, I remember years, some years being kind of Ebenezer Scrooge, like, oh, really, we have to do this again, Mm. and other years. And right now, I'm just like giddy excited, going, yay. So what are some of the traditions we've had? Well, when my kids were younger and all six at home back in those sweet days, one of the things that I liked doing, it's funny, like if I polled my kids, what would they say type of thing, but I liked this big wicker basket just loaded with all different types of Christmas books. Um, Some were compilations of different like old-fashioned Christmas stories with values being taught to your Nutcracker book and Winnie the Pooh's version of A Little Bit of a Christmas. Just any type of Christmas book I piled into um, this basket, and every day we would select one or two of those stories and read them. And it was just a fun way to get through the holidays. Books have always been a big part of uh, raising my kids. So Yes, I love books. They might say they enjoyed going out looking at lights. So if I say it's a tradition, maybe we did it five years in a row. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when we did the go out and look at lights, we would stop at a Krispy Kreme and fill up a box of donuts. And then we would knock on the door of the house that we thought had the best lights and, and leave them the donuts. Oh, and that's so fun. They, yeah. I love that. And say, you won. We, our family chose your family. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. I like that. Yeah. So that is fun. So it really is such a wonderful time of the year. But then there's also these crazy high expectations, I'd even say impossible, mm-hmm. unrealistic expectations that are placed on all of us, especially as moms. Yeah. You know, we want to create these magical moments for our kids and get them a balance of all the right gifts and make the delicious food and send the picture perfect Christmas card and make sure they're understanding the real meaning of Christmas. And it is a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I get it when you said sometimes you can be Scrooge. <laughs> it can be overwhelming 
overwhelming sometimes before it even starts. Yes. So over the years, what are some things you've learned to let go of? That's such a great question. And we could talk a whole episode on it, right? With the holidays, yes, that pressure. I have let go of the expectations, I think. There is a sense where every day I want some yummy Christmas smell in the house, so I get the candles and try to create an atmosphere. But to me, that's not pressure. To me, that's just, you know, throw on the Christmas music and give it a vibe. But I would say... I had high expectations to make sure it was like meaningful. We had these meaningful moments, that spiritual side that we don't miss out on the meaning, especially as it got up to Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be about the presents. And by God, we're going <laughs> we're gonna to make sure this is God glorifying in everything we do and just letting go of that because I needed to just let my kids off the hook, let myself off the hook, let my husband off the hook, you know, because I would have expectations of how he was supposed to lead us into (laughs) the presence of God and the glory of God on Christmas Day and not allow the kids just to, you know, run to their stockings. And so I just, I'm like, Jesus, I just delight in you. I just look to him, not to my family and to myself to, to put on something that isn't real. You know, we do open up the Word of God and read the Christmas story mm-hmm. uh, as we sit at breakfast before we go to the gifts. But I really had too many disappointments, honestly, mm. on those moments that you want to be so that I wanted to be so holy mm-hmm. uh, that the kids wouldn't sit still. They wouldn't close their eyes. You know, they mm-hmm. they, would, <laughs> they wouldn't take it seriously where they would roll their eyes or, you know, moan when it was time to, mm-hmm. to do those moments. And it's like, okay, let's just let them be them and just love them. And, you know. Yeah, I love that. And I totally <laughs> get it. It's like, okay, we want Jesus to be front and center, but we also don't want to obsess so much to where they're hating it. Right. Because that becomes very unholy. And so, yeah, your attitude is everything. (laughs) It's been a work in progress with that. Aren't we all? Mm -hmm. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of a work in progress, I do feel like when people look at you, they see this gorgeous woman with a gorgeous marriage and family Mm -hmm. and ministry. And that's all true. But as a mom, I know there are billions of small, ordinary moments between those glamorous ones. So we do place these expectations on ourselves. But like you already mentioned, you and Craig didn't even expect to have such a large family. Oh, that's so true. Uh, When we were engaged, we said, oh, let's have you know, two kids, a boy, then a girl. And, you know, he came from a family where he was, you know, a boy, girl, and it was a boy, girl in our family. So we're like, well, let's just do that. So, you know, to make a long story real short, God just changed our hearts. Um, He just led us and directed us each child at a time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a surprise and a bit of laughter when I think about it. And I know it made the Lord chuckle when we said those things. I know he couldn't wait to reveal his plan for us. So, Mm -hmm. but somehow we ended up six kids. Yeah. And so I know we say it kind of flippantly that you've raised and homeschooled six kids, but really both are a massive undertaking. So how long have you been homeschooling? Oh, gosh. And just hearing you say that, it's like I could cry (laughs) because I know the likes of me. It's like, really, Lord? Our oldest daughter, Katie, is 25. And so I look at homeschooling since we felt called to it from the beginning of our marriage as I've been homeschooling 25 years. In practical sense of curriculum and things like that, you know, over 20 years now. And Mm -hmm. it's just hard to believe. But yeah, it's been a while. Do people ever ask you like, okay, practically, how do you do this? Like, how do you stay with your kids all day long, every single day and like keep your sanity? Well, it really comes down to 
why we started homeschooling in the first place. And that was simply that um, while we were engaged and talking about the potential of our futures, we were in the middle of this conversation. And I said, you know, Craig, if God ever gives us kids, I want to homeschool. And he said, all right. And it just seemed like, you know, we just moved right along in that conversation. And it wasn't until years later, looking back, when time and time again, I'd had so many quick conversations of people asking why we had homeschooled. And I would relay that conversation. But it just one day dawned on me, where in the world did that thought come from? And how did it come out of my mouth so naturally? And then I thought, and how did Craig respond so quickly with a yes, um, when education was such a priority in his upbringing? So I know that we were called to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes we say things that we think are just our natural person just talking. And, and, but as I looked back on that, I thought, wow, that was an example of having the mind of Christ and not realizing it, mm. that God led us to it. So when I get into those crazy moments of, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And, and it is scary. And, and you do have doubts of, I'm not cut out for this and being home with them. And most women, their response, if they've not homeschooled, are like, oh, I can never do that. Mm. And I know I would have the same response, except that I know I was called to it. Yeah. So God graced me and and our family to do it. I love that. It is interesting how sometimes we have these ideas pop into our head and we think there are ideas whenever really it's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit that's given us the idea or the desire to even do something, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I stayed home with yeah. my kids whenever they were young before they were in school and really prayerfully considered homeschooling. Huh. Um, and then I kind of felt the opposite where we felt called to for the time being, publicly educate our kids, which we still say we take it year by year. So it's never a done deal. You know, you never know. Yes. But I just think it's interesting to see how different people come to those conclusions. And I think that we're all led differently. Like there's not a right or a wrong. So a hundred percent. And that is it. Like everybody needs to just pray about those decisions when you have kiddos and God will direct you. And I would have gladly put them in public school or any type of school setting if that's what um, we felt led to do. So now, didn't you have one that ended up wanting to go to school part of the time in, in high school? Yes. Anna, our third daughter, she's super extroverted and her older sisters, you know, had graduated and she's six years older than her youngest sister. Um, she was just itching to get out of the house and get out and do some some challenging work. And so she ended up doing kind of a dual program. So she uh, she went to a private school that had two days at home, three days at class. It was perfect. Yeah, that is great. She did her junior, senior years there at college prep school, prepared her for her confidence to go into college. And it was just wonderful. So I love that you take it kid by kid. That's so great. Yeah, you should. And year by year is what I'm called to today. The Lord has every right and and needs to reveal at any moment if, you know, it's time to, to switch gears and change lanes. And so it's always wise just to say, is this still your plan, Father? Mm-hmm. And, um, but we're definitely seeing it through because it's crazy. I've got two, three years left to go. And this journey, I believe, will be over. So mm-hmm. it's bittersweet for sure. Wow. To see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. 
never thought I would see it. (laughs) Way to go, mama. But here it is. Here it is. So yeah, God is good. That's awesome. So we've been talking about Christmas and those expectations that are put on us. But I think as parents, we can feel this year round. We can feel the weight of the responsibility, no matter if we homeschool or send our kids to public or private school. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we know the depth of our love for our kids while also feeling unsure and sometimes like a failure. And often our weaknesses are exposed before these little people. So for you in motherhood in general, what have been some of your biggest messes? Well, that's a big question because there's a lot of years and there's a lot of kids here for me. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not any better of a mom because I have more kids. I'm just, um, I've got a lot of experience here. Right. Uh, Experience is valuable. So we're excited to hear from you. I have a lot of experience making a good amount of mistakes, let me tell you. (laughs) And I would say that the biggest mess of my parenting has been me. Mm. And maybe most moms would say that. I don't know. And it's maybe part of saying this is because, you know, I'm being overly harsh on myself. But at the same time, I'm the sole responsible one, you know, as their mother. No one else can be their mother but me. And so if Mm. I have a mess in my parenting, it's as Craig always teaches in leadership, that everything rises and falls on leadership. And so, you know, and of course, we're leading little sinners that need the grace of Jesus. But my messes are not leading well, which I'm sure you understood by what I just shared there about leadership. And even my older kids now will say, Mom, you know, you didn't let us do the things that the younger kids are now doing. And Mm. or Mom, why are they doing that? And I'll say, well, you know, I've tried and I can't, I'll make this excuse. And and then one of my older children will say, well, mom, they'll quote <laughs> their dad and say, mom, you haven't led them to it. It's not that they won't. <laughs> oh man, yeah, they're that's quoting the their worst dad. when they use dad's words yeah. against you. <laughs> they say, it's not that they won't, mom, you haven't led them to. I'm like, okay, Aww. you can just sit down and be quiet now. <laughs> right. It's enough to have the Holy Spirit in your ear. Yeah. And then it's more to have your kids in your ear too. <laughs> that's right. And you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not always consistent. Speaking of that, not leading well, I've tried to lead them to these things. And then you you get discouraged. You try, it didn't work. And so, well, maybe I need to try a new thing. And, you know, I I definitely have grown weary and not stayed consistent with some of those things that I've tried to lead my children to do. And consistent in, of course, the follow-up. You can nip things in the bud if you can really follow up with a good consequence. And I think I've definitely been the mess there of not following up with those consequences that are so important to train our kids. And um, this might surprise some of you that have views of me that are not accurate. I was a very strong-willed child, and I still have some strong will (laughs) in me. I definitely saw it in my parenting, and by the grace of God, I'm I'm growing in that. But I was so strong-willed as a parent with some things. I just chose battles to just not budge instead of being spirit-led. It's crazy how children can bring these feelings out of you that you never knew were there. Oh, yes, yes. For me, at least, it's the control and the, the lack of being in control that can really drive me crazy. Exactly. And I really fought for control instead of fighting just to lean on the Holy Spirit, Mm. letting Him show me what is wise here. I just was real bullheaded. And it works fine when you are with your compliant child. Right. (laughs) But when you come head to head, toe to toe with your strong willed child, which I had uh, one in particular that was very strong willed, that did not work for us. Mm. And, um, And even the compliant children, they will get strong-willed in certain issues. Mm-hmm. In their own way. 
And there's not a win in that as a mom when we don't back down. It was like, oh, my child is not being obedient. And so I drew this line in the sand. It was a black and white issue. And so because of that, I was strong-willed toward some statement like, well, then they must, they must eat their breakfast because I told them to. They must take their nap because I told them to, because they must obey. Mm -hmm. And that's just not (laughs) the wisest thing to have that strong and dogmatic of a statement. Right. It's, Lord, give me wisdom on how to lead my child for them to make wise decisions, for them to see what's right. So I'm telling you, that was a big mess. And a lot of the parenting is not seeking the Holy Spirit, instead just pushing through and manning through and powering through. Another would be like, Jen, like not asking for help, not just the help of the Holy Spirit, but asking for advice from other friends, asking for practical help from somebody because there was too much. And Right, because you guys were also launching a church when all this was going on. Yes. These were the early years. Yes. When we started Life Church, we had just two little ones. And so a lot of crazy um, momentum in church planting was going on between child two and (laughs) child six. And Mm -hmm. so I really needed to ask for help. And I hope some moms are listening now and hearing that. And, And even if you're not a mom, just in whatever area of life that you're struggling, we need each other. Mm-hmm. And and we need advice and we need help practical ways. And don't be too proud and think, well, the other person, everybody else looks like they are have it all together and they aren't asking for help. I mean, I really, it boiled down to pride when I was not willing to ask for help. Did you ever get to a point where you did ask for help? I did. But Jen, it seemed like My husband was flabbergasted that I wouldn't for so long. And when I finally did, it was like, finally, Mm -hmm. what took you so long? And then I kind of looked back and thought, wow, why didn't I? And now I just, the pride's gone. I just totally admit, like, I can't do this alone and I I need all the help I can get. So there was a time in my life, too, where spiritually, I would say, um, as a mom, I was negative. I was in the Word too, Jen. I was in Bible studies, you know, going through Beth Moore studies and eating that up and taking my kids to those Bible studies and the, putting them in childcare and, you know, praying and everything. But I would say spiritually, there was a season when I just had a lot of harshness. Just the fruit of the Spirit was not mm. super evident with my children. Negative in my mindset angry, um, short-tempered, petty about things, just too narrow. And I I remember one time, and and I think I have these memories because there's so much to remember, but there's moments that you can probably go back to in your life and motherhood or or something and go, oh gosh, because there's such a light bulb that came on or such a moment of regret or something like that. And I was putting the kids to bed one night and Katie and Mandy, who are my two oldest, they were really easy, like compliant, sweetest girls, but they would just keep their room when they shared their room together, a total mess with every small toy, you know, conceivable mm-hmm. on their right. floor. And so <laughs> my son right now has Legos everywhere. It's like a trap when you walk into his room. Right. So their room was upstairs. So I wasn't up there loads during the day. So mostly I didn't have to scan the room and, and see what was happening. But I remember going up to say goodnight to them, put them in bed. 
And as I enter the room and see the tornado of, I don't know how they walked through it and got their teeth brushed, it just set me off. And I just started yelling, just like, what are y'all thinking? And you're not being responsible with the things that God's given you. And just harsh, 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 you know, just yelling in anger. And they started to cry. It was an ugly scene. <laughs> not proud of. Right before bed. And I've been there, so I'm not judging. <laughs> right before bed, yes. And Jen, this wasn't the first time this had happened, you know. But that thankfully, by the goodness of God, the light bulb came on. I just had this like pause moment and just kind of saw myself outside of myself, what I was doing, and just thought, no, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I drew a line in the sand as a mom, that I was not going to yell at my kids. Mm. Not that I never did after that, you know, because there are times when you're just like, you have to raise your voice a bit. But, you know, the scripture in James 1 that says that we're to be slow to speak, slow to become angry and quick to listen, and that our anger doesn't bring about the righteousness that God wants. If even a clean room is righteousness in my eyes, my anger is not going to produce a clean room out of my kids. Mm. So I just asked for them to forgive me in that moment, knelt down beside them and said, girls, please forgive me. From now on, I want you to remember, because I know you're tired. When you go to bed, you know, if you can get your room picked up, great. Sometimes we come in late. I mean, we've just gotten home. But I said, if it doesn't get cleaned up at night, please do some picking up. And I called it bless your room. Please bless your room before you come down in the morning. Mm. And I just left it at that. It's not worth it. Our relationship is what matters. It's not, did they keep a clean room? And I do want them to be responsible and held accountable. But if it's at the sake of relationship, no, not going there. I'm not losing that. That's good. I decided that day relationships were what mattered, not tidy houses and not perfect children. Oh, yeah. Man, that's good. And so relatable. All the mamas <laughs> right now are like, ah, yeah. because we've all been there. And it is a hard balance between teaching our kids obedience. And one thing I've struggled with a little bit over the years, and that my husband has said, be careful of what you tell them, like their repercussion is or their consequences. Because mm-hmm. once you say it, then you can't go back. So, yes. you know, if you don't, whatever, then you can't go to soccer practice or whatever, right. you know. And it's like, really, is that helpful? Is that beneficial? So really thinking through what consequence am I considering giving them? And then is it like you said, is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Is it a mountain worth dying on? But I think the main thing out of that story that I love was your willingness to get on the floor and apologize and say, I'm sorry, I don't want to be this mommy and we're going to change things. Yeah, I think that's huge for any of us as a parent. Yes. And really any of us who aren't parents as well, just being able to admit when we're wrong and whenever we don't like ourselves and Mm -hmm. how we're responding and then being willing to repent and change it. Like that is huge. Right, right. And, you know, like I said, it it wasn't like, okay, I I never raised my voice in anger again after that. I'm a strong feeler as a person. And so that is a great thing. And it can become a bad thing Mm -hmm. when my feelings are not in check with the Holy Spirit. And so that's really been a big part of my prayer life as I've been growing up, as my kids have been growing up in the Lord. And, you know, First Peter 3, 4 says, a beauty of a woman should be that of their inner self, a gentle, quiet spirit. And so I prayed that 
every day, just for years, Lord, just give me a gentle, quiet spirit, which I appear to have. And I do have when I'm, you know, walking by the spirit, but in my flesh, the gentle, quiet spirit is, um, not coming out when I feel so quickly towards things that upset me. And so learning to temper that, uh, learning to pause, learning to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit have been um, big keys that take practice. Well, and I think even for the louder, more spicy personalities in mothers or in children, which I think are also great, I think that gentle and quiet spirit, it's talking about that humility, just being able to come before the Lord still. Yes. In the quiet spirit, it's not like you're not a louder person, but it's a peaceful spirit, mm-hmm. right? One that, you know, has a peace and a calm and a settled spirit. So um, we can all have that. It's not about, oh, well, I don't have that type of personality. That could never be me. Mm-hmm. So what kept you from getting exhausted and burning out? Wow. You know, that's a great question. And I think that um, there's a lot of different answers during different seasons. But I definitely know that forming my own group of girlfriends that were traveling down the same journey of homeschooling. And well, some of them actually had kids in private school. But I formed Bible studies and play groups for my kids to be a part of that. And that was a great support group for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Great season for me to, to be refreshed. And I also would choose to go on some retreats, women's retreats and um, homeschool mom retreats and different things like that. And to just get away. Oh, just, yeah. One night away, two nights away, a weekend get away with my husband, anything mm. to get out of routines of whatever routine you're in can really help to reset and just help you to see things from a higher view and, um, Yeah, and just forming those support groups and having a prayer partner and having a mentor, people speaking into my life so that I did not just have to listen to my own voice. The biggest thing, though, which obviously could seem cliche, but I cannot emphasize it enough, was my constant failures led me to constantly go to Jesus And Mm. I clung to him because, you know, we fail every day. I fail every day in lots of little ways, at least in my mind as a mom, in the way that I don't do enough and I'm disappointed in in some way, shape, or form, and especially when they were little, just so many opportunities to not get it right. And so I just constantly look to the Lord, look to him in prayer for help and his word. And I just meditated on it. And he taught me and kept my head up. He's the lifter of our head. And those moments, especially when I felt like I'd really blown it, huge. God is our helper. He is our strength. He is our refuge. It's as real as anything I walked through as a mom. He was my counselor and my guide in all of it. Mm So practically, because I'm thinking of you with these six kids running around, and I'm thinking of Craig running the church and you getting up there and being involved and bringing all your kids and trying to get all their diapers on and shoes on and bows in maybe, or maybe there were no bows, but. Oh yeah. um, There's always bows. (laughs) And then, you know, around Christmas, like it is right now, you know, where there really are all these high expectations and there's mile long to-do lists that you really want to, you want to meet, you want to make it all happen. Mm -hmm. We want to be perfect, even though we're not perfect, we Okay, so maybe we don't want to be perfect, but we want to be close. We want to get it right, right? We do. So practically, how was God your refuge? 
when the kids were in bed, did you just escape to him? Was it in the midst of the chaos that you just stopped and would read scripture or you would just pray or you would call a friend or you would seek out a mentor? Like practically speaking, what did that look like? Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good for people to know. So it's an all day long, moment by moment. I learned um, by reading the little book, Practicing the Presence of God. I used to compartmentalize my quiet time, and it was the morning thing or uh, whenever I could get my Bible time in because of kids interrupting that. Uh, It just became all throughout the day and never too cookie cutter Hmm. because of all the interruptions, but certainly um, starting with just some prayers if it was for (laughs) a moment or an extended time in the morning. But like with kids, they just are going to need you at all times. And so, yeah, the Bible, I just put the Bible. um, Thankfully, we have several copies and I had them all over the house where I might find myself. And I would just find myself grabbing the Bible at all different times of the day, just getting in some time to read and, and to pray, but just fast moments, just quick. And my best prayers, girls, have been the shortest prayers, the desperate prayers of just help, just help. And I don't know what to do, Lord, just Jesus help me right now and help my daughter. You know, she's struggling and and I, I'm at my end. And so those short prayers are mm. such a big thing. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs, I think it's 14, that says, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for the harvest. And basically it's saying that if you want the blessings, you got to have the mess too. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's such a good reminder for me in motherhood, whenever the sink is overflowing with dishes and (laughs) there are Legos all over and, you know, my kids have homework and practice and there's just all the things. I think just remembering that the mess is a blessing. And if there isn't the mess, mm-hmm. then you won't have the blessing. And That's so right. um, just that those things go hand in hand, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in marriage, friendship, our relationship with Christ, just all the things like anything that's alive has mess. Right. I'm glad you said that. And I think we should take it a step further and say to ourselves, say it out loud, even say it to a friend. I don't want a Pinterest perfect life. Mm-hmm. It's not real. I don't want that perfect Instagram look. It's a lie. I don't believe it. It's not real. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can make our life look like social media and magazine images to be something pretty to look on, to give us good memories of what was. But reality, like you said, is messy. It's not pretty. It's throw up in the floor that you have to clean up. It's having to seek forgiveness because you were harsh and, and unkind and in bad hair days and, you know, not getting to take a shower that day because there was too many other things to do. And so you have dirty hair. It, you know, that's the kind of life that's real. And that's right. But if we can live that needing Jesus and asking for his help and him teaching us to love one another, then that is the beautiful life. It sounds kind of mm-hmm. corny and cheesy, and I, I really don't like cheesy, but um, <laughs> that <laughs> getting all sentimental here. It's like that's that's what's beautiful. It's true. And, you know, we can turn up some worship music and dance in our kitchen with the messy house and with the messy kids and we can laugh and Uh we can step into that freedom that we have in Christ. I think Uh that's something that God's been reminding me over and over again when I wake up is that when I wake up, I have freedom in Christ. Uh And yet sometimes I put those chains back on and think, well, I have to get this right. I have to get this right. And of course, we want to honor God. Uh Um, You know, he shows us in his word the way that life works best. However, like there's so much freedom with 
in that. Like yes. walk in it, walk in the freedom. Yes, it's great. So going with the practical advice, what advice do you have for those moms right now with little ones at their feet? <laughs> Maybe some stories that you can remember from when your uh, babies were little. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a mom with little ones, and I'm thinking of my own daughter right now that has little ones taking care of my little grandbabies, and that reminds me, it takes you back in an instant. This is hard work, hard, hard work. And the advice I have is to commit to the work. And obviously you have, but I mean, like, go ahead and embrace that, that hard work. Don't try to run from it. It is your life. And commit to have joy in that hard work. Uh, what I mean would be commit to delight in the hard work because it, it is passing. As hard as some of it is and exhausting, it's physically exhausting, it's passing. And so just delight in all of it. We can give thanks in all circumstances. And um, you are sowing seeds. Mm. And you want to make sure that those seeds that you're sowing are the seeds that can bring a harvest of righteousness, not because you're perfect, but because you're asking the Lord Jesus to help you to sow the right seeds. You're training them, hopefully, for righteousness. And uh, so just give them truth. Don't rush your kids into the things that you think they need to do. Um, don't hurry them, but try to just be in moments with them. I would say, and don't even rush them into the paid activities uh, as far as like, they're three years old now, so now we can get them into soccer. And I only know this because we've done it six times that you can save money and you can save yourself a lot of hassle of having to get up on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. When Go ahead and put that off. They're not going to get behind if they're going to become a super athlete or super gymnast or, you know, super singer um, because you didn't start them at three unless you really want to do that. I mean. Right. But consider the cost, I would say. That's right. Yeah. Consider the cost. That's right. If you want to do it, consider that cost to each his own. But for a lot of people, it never occurred to them. They're like, oh, we could save money and time. And once they get busy, they get busy. And it doesn't stop until they are out of the house. And so we just decided, okay, at, at age six, that that's when they could start into like one of those activities. And mm -hmm. it's hard to wait, but it became a good decision for us. Right. And that's basically what we did as well. And I'm grateful because I do feel like it takes so much time and energy. And so we wanted them to get to the point where, one, they were a little bit older and then also where they were begging for it, you know, and not yes. just, oh, you look cute in your gear. And uh -huh. so, you know, because it actually takes a lot of time. It does. And I just say instead or always with little ones, you're wanting to create special connection moments. Whatever it is, each of those moments are precious moments to connect eyeball to eyeball with your child. So that does uh, lend me to say, like, put the phone down and and get undistracted from some things to get those moments in. And I would also want to add that this is something I learned from Charlotte Mason, a, a woman who was so wonderful with children. And, and I used a lot of her teaching um, homeschooling principles that children need to be given respect. And so speak to them respectfully. I obviously have not always done this right, but I have tried to practice it. Just because we're in authority doesn't mean that we should sass or be harsh or rude in our tone. But when you need to correct, try to be real respectful, no matter what their age is and no matter how many times they've disobeyed. 
I think that's a great, a great bit of advice as well. Well, I think you've said it multiple times, but more is caught than taught. And so they see how we're speaking to them and to others. Yeah. And <laughs> it catches on, man. That the is good so and the true. bad, unfortunately. <laughs> that is so true. Oh, it makes me think of little Anna. She was two years old and I was pregnant with Sam. And she comes walking through the room with her hands on her back, um, with her elbow, you know, poking out of her back. And she's kind of walking like a duck and acting like she's pregnant, you know, and she's mm-hmm. she's walking like I was walking as a pregnant mom holding her stomach. And it's like hilarious because she just she caught it just from watching me walk around pregnant. So cute. But no matter what age, how young they are, there's always an opportunity to lead them to the message of grace and the gospel of Jesus and to the word of God. You can't begin too soon to plant those seeds of the word of God. There's so many great children's Bibles out there, and our church even has the Bible app for kids and and also in a hard copy form. Those are wonderful tools as well, resources as well. For sure. Well, I love what you said earlier about this being hard work and that it's important work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes when it's hard, it feels like, oh, this is just so mundane and sometimes boring and definitely not sexy. Like mm-hmm. it, we can forget that this is important work. You know, all the little bitty things like doing your daughter's hair or, you know, helping your son with homework, all the basic, simple things. And then I also loved what you talked about, about sowing seeds, Mm -hmm. because after those seeds are planted, you know, they're buried underground and we don't see them for a long time Mm -hmm. until the fruit is produced. And so just that reminder that keep planting seeds, keep planting seeds, keep planting seeds, Mm -hmm. keep watering them like there will be a harvest if we don't give up. Yes, yes. And I have to add to that, that I'm beginning to see bits of the harvest in my kids. But what just occurred to me recently was, as I reflected on our culture and in the United States itself, the culture becoming more post-Christian and people just not knowing the word and, and rejecting the truth, rejecting God, rejecting the word and rejecting Christianity and everything that goes along with that and how it's so discouraging and can cause us to maybe reflect and, and get a bit in despair for our children and their future. But then in the midst of those thoughts, I went, this is the truth. The truth is for such a time as this, we are raising up these children and they are, and they will be mighty for the kingdom of God. Mm. They have to be, and the Lord knows that. And so the children we are raising up are going to face a different nation and It's not something to get fearful about. Of course, we need to be prayerful because they're going to need our prayers, but they are going to be so mighty. I just, Mm -hmm. I believe that with everything in me that our children are going to be doing mightier works and be brighter for the name of Jesus than we have ever been. I I just almost feel prophetic about it, that, that God just showed me that in a moment of how bright our children will shine for His glory in the darkness. Mm. And so I'm excited and expectant for the children that we're raising. That's such a good reminder. It isn't by accident that they're here at this time in history. He has purposefully placed them here with strengths and gifts and personalities that this generation needs. And so, man, what a beautiful time to be alive. And speaking of kind of older kids, even teenagers, what advice would you give to those mamas? 
yes, um, whether you're there or not, it's hopefully coming. And don't fear those years. Each child's different, and you'll have some that you go, wow, this teen thing is easy, and, and others that you go, okay, I see it. I see what people <laughs> would have. Uh, where did my child go? The sweetness is now growling. Mm. Um, so, again, there's a, a bit of advice, and I would say, you know, you always hear pick your battles. Well, definitely keep that in mind when you have the teens. You need so much wisdom. You always need wisdom with children, but you need so much wisdom uh, because what was the physical exhaustion quickly becomes the emotional exhaustion of parenting. And something I've learned is that we don't want to pressure our children to conform to you, which may seem kind of obvious, but it was one of those flaws of mine that I think... Uh, especially with my daughters, I expected that they would be somewhat like me and in different ways. And I think that just be sure that you're allowing them to be them and not in whatever way, showing them by the questions you ask. You know, our kids, they've spent enough time with us. They know our values. They know our uh, opinions on things. They hopefully know the Word of God. And because you have pointed them in, to Jesus in the Word. Uh, so by the time they're teens, You kind of have to keep your mouth shut (laughs) a bit more with the things that you've already taught them that they should already know. Because if you start telling them when they're teens, they hear it as judgment and criticism, unless they're asking you for advice. You want to be sure and just pray. There's a great opportunity for prayer when you want to preach to them. And you may not even think, oh, well, I'm not preaching. I'm just encouraging them in the Lord. (laughs) I'm not preaching. I'm just giving them the best advice. It's from the Word of God. It's straight out of Scripture. And this has happened to me. So that's why I'm saying for personal experience. So you want to be sure and just pray and just hug them (laughs) and be their encouragers, their cheerleaders, their guide. I would say that you can't overlove and overpray in their teens, no matter what, just as long as they know that you love them no matter what and you have grace for them no matter what, just the way the Father does for us. Um, when they're acting poorly towards you, when they're all of a sudden, everything you do is wrong, don't take offense to that. It's really not about you. Right. <laughs> I've had a couple of the kids, and Craig has gotten his share of it too, where all of a sudden we're not the greatest thing in the world anymore to them in their eyes. Um, they don't want to marry us like they did when they were little. Um, <laughs> so it was really hard when I went through this with a couple of my girls that it seemed like they were pretty hard on mom. But I learned the second time around to not take a personal offense. And it's hard to do, but it's okay. They need our love. They'll mm-hmm. get through it. And they'll call you whenever their girls are teenagers and yeah. apologize. <laughs> they will. One day they will. I just hug them sometimes and say, this is one of your teenage moments and I have grace for you. And they know it. They know it is one of their moments. They feel and even self-loathe sometimes that how did I turn into this grumpy monster? But <laughs> right. But I can look back on moments whenever I was a teenager and it's so embarrassing. I'm like, why yes. did I treat my family that way? You know, that's right. And I would say just to conclude that going back to wisdom, we have tried with our values on the issues of, say, uh, dating and proper clothing, you know, different values that we have toward standards and things, uh, what age for this and that, and that when we tell our kids what our views are, we're not giving them hard, fast rules like You can't do this until this age, or you can't wear this unless it's this many inches and whatever. So instead of rules, we give them biblical principles and say, we feel like this is right. Like we feel like there's no reason for you to date as a young person 
when it can't go anywhere. And so casual dating is something we don't feel is is wise um, or biblical. And so that is our view as your mom and dad. But we can't keep you from liking someone. You're you're going to like people, and that's okay. It's normal. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do anything about that. You don't have to define the relationship or make it into anything. Did you ever get pushback on that? We did a little bit, yeah. But, you know, it didn't take long before they started to see the wisdom in it. The thing is, is that there's going to be a day, and it's around the corner, that they will have to make these decisions for themselves, these values for themselves. Like, oh, you have to wear one piece. You can't wear a bikini. Well, They need to have that conviction for themselves that modesty is a value that would honor God. And all these things need to come from their own heart. And so we just wanted to give them the wisdom that we thought was from the Bible and let them, you know, make those decisions because they will run from the rules. If you start laying down these hard rules, you know, we even did that with bedtime. You know you have to be up at 7 a.m., so go to bed, you know, and they'll suffer the consequence if they don't. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So what about phones and technology? I know that you said there's not necessarily hard, fast rules, but what are some kind of guidelines that you offered your kids as they were getting older? Right. Because this is a whole new ballgame. That's another big one. These are big things. Um, We do give them protection on their phone so that they can't get into everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Craig does all that, so he knows all the ins and outs of what we've done to protect their phones. One of the things was just they can download whatever app they want, but they can't delete them. So we have access to their phones to see what apps did they put on their phone. If they can't delete it, so we'll see it. And we tell them when we give them their phones, because obviously we're paying for their phones, uh, the service, even if they bought the phone. We say, these are our phones, but you get the use of them. Because they can get entitled in a split second right. to, this is my phone. You can't take my phone. No, it's our phone that we loan to you. <laughs> and so if you're you, using it responsibly. <laughs> right. And we have them turn it in at night unless they give us a good appeal to, well, you know, I'm doing my reading plan and then I, you, you know, have it as a my alarm. And it's kind of a kid by kid thing. Right. And they fuss about that. You know, well, it's not fair because you made the other kid turn in their phone and or they didn't have to and we have to turn on our phone. Well, right. you know. We just feel like it's best for you. So yeah, kid by kid, day by day. That's good. Exactly. And we have not done all of this right either. Don't put me on a pedestal on this because this is a hard one to maneuver for sure. But we've tried. Mm-hmm. So Now, do you have a certain age that they are approximately are allowed to get a phone or just an attitude of the heart? Or has it just differed every time? I guess we weren't prepared. And the leadership thing, we just weren't on our game to go, okay, you know, the phone thing is coming. The day of flip phones are over. And what's our plan? <laughs> it's just, I don't even remember if we had an age. We did have an age for social media-ish, you know, but that varied from kid to kid too, just sort of on how quickly things have evolved because things are not the way they were when our Katie and Mandy, our oldest, right. started off on these things. Oh, yeah. Things have changed for sure. So we've quickly had to reevaluate. And so there isn't like one thing we've done because it, we've had to constantly reevaluate those decisions. But I will I think say- that's helpful, though, looking at the maturity of each of your kids and making a decision based on that, not just saying, well, this is the age and this is the rule. Like, I think that's helpful. Right. I mean... Things do evolve quickly, and the cultural translator, I think, is, is a resource that parents should have because they can be updated on what's going on with the latest apps and geared toward, you know, the generations of young people that are coming up, how we un- need to understand the culture and how it's affecting our kids. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
How did your kids deal with the pressure of not only being pastor's kids, but being Craig and Amy Groeschel's kids? Like, was that a thing? Did they have seasons or moments where they felt that pressure? I think it's it's been a personality thing and the impersonal experience thing based on what they've gone through. But it definitely has changed. Um, the oldest two really had great experiences, and they started off when we weren't as well-known and things weren't so... Um, so crazy as they are now. But yeah, they've all experienced it differently. And I think that the most important thing that they would probably all say is as a PK, they want people just to see them as who they are, kind of their first name, not their last name, not treat them differently, not like them because of their last name, not want to get to know them because of their last name. And that's what some of them put up their walls and they're on guard for. Yeah. Which you guys I've seen, I feel like you do a great job of just being so authentic and not putting yourselves on a pedestal and not giving yourself special privileges and all that. And so I'm sure that that helps. So I hope so. But for the most part, it's been good. We always try to show them all the blessings because with any negative, there's always a negative side, but there's positive sides. So we just focus on the positive sides and try to show them that, you know, just what an honor it is to have an influence in people's lives because they are curious. Mm -hmm. So you just have that instant influence of people wanting to to know something about you and you know Jesus. So there's something they can share. Mm -hmm. Now, you as a mom, did you ever feel pressure for your kids to be more perfect because people knew your husband? No, I, I, that didn't register in my mind, but I, I think I, not having been in a ministry family until we became one, I just want people to take the pressure off of them and off of me. Don't look at us as people that can't make mistakes because— Right, how unfair. Right. We, we might have a scowl on our face one day. We might not always be doing the, <laughs> the perfect thing that Jesus would do at any moment. So, yeah. We're people just like anybody. And so you guys are so honest about that, though. <laughs> That's one thing that people love about you. So uh, God is so good. So, Amy, if you could summarize what God's taught you as he's kind of breathed life and grace into your parenting, what would that be? Oh, wow. Um, a summary of so much. So much. That's I probably would... an unfair question. <laughs> I apologize. Well, I'm going to try. Let's let's try this. Um, I would say that. Parenting isn't for wimps. <laughs> um, <laughs> true, true story. I would say that, well, we just need Jesus in it. We need his wisdom and we need to give ourselves grace because we are going to fail. But if you just keep going to your father and seeking his help and guidance and keep praying for your kids, you don't need to panic and be afraid. I have parented out of fear and I think the Holy Spirit, just looking in hindsight, he's just telling me, see, you never needed to be afraid. Like I've had you and I've had the kids the whole time. I've worked in all things for their good and for your good. So, yeah, I like that. So do you have any specific parenting, homeschooling or other resources you want to share with us? Yeah, I do get a lot of questions from fellow homeschool moms that say, what are you doing in homeschooling? What curriculum do you use? So definitely want to throw that out there. Um, for the most part, 
we've used Sunlight Curriculum, their core curriculum, S-O-N for Jesus, the Son. So Sunlight and their core is Bible literature and history. And then the other resources are through a catalog where they just say, here's what we've picked from the other school subjects that we would recommend. And so we've loved that. And it's very literature-based. And it does seem intimidating with a lot of reading material. But, you know, do it your way. You don't have to do the whole checklist. But we have adored, just have so many memories from wonderful literature that we've read together over the years. It's like visiting old friends when we go back to the books that we've shared together. And I would say that hands down, the Bible, that's the best resource for anyone in the world. And there's plenty of version plans if you don't know where to go in a big, fat Bible that uh, can help you. I love our, our new Jesus is Life Bible plan that Sisters put out through the first four chapters of the book of John. Yeah. Yes. I'm leading my girlfriends through that right now and my youth girls, and it's so awesome. I had a few girlfriends help me to do that plan. I, my favorite book on prayer and prayer is a passion of mine, I think because it was a big weakness of mine and now is a, a passion. I have many favorites, but I think what I love to recommend to people is A Praying Life for a book on prayer. We've done that one together. It's really good. Isn't it good? It's so and good. And I will be honest, when I first heard the title, I was kind of like, uh, that sounds kind of boring and <laughs> not very exciting. But honestly, it is very good and very rich and really hit some of those hard Uh, some of those hard issues, Uh why maybe we don't pray, all of that. It's so real. Yes, the title doesn't do much for you, but I can't hardly put it down. I've read through it, I think, three times. Just talking about it, I want to pick it up again. Mm -hmm. For a parenting book, gosh, there's a lot on just parenting, gospel-centered parenting, mindset, if you want a good gospel-centered mindset, the book that's called Parenting by Paul David Tripp, and then Loving Our Kids on Purpose is a real practical one that really helped me by Danny Silk. And then I love all the classics, um, A.W. Tozer and Andrew Murray. Any book of Andrew Murray's just drip with just richness of soul. And so um, I, I think I've read Absolute Surrender too many times to count as well. So, hmm. Yeah. Those are great. And you know what's funny? I was not a book person growing up. I just did not like to read until I started homeschooling. And I just love books now. So Yeah. It's funny the things we don't like when we're younger. (laughs) I was just talking to someone about food, like how I didn't like avocados and I love avocados or how something like that, certain books or history that now I just can't get enough of. But growing up, it was like, oh, just get the A and move on. So that's right. That's right. Well, Amy, I am just so grateful for you. So thank you for sharing the mistakes and the lessons learned and the, hey, I've been there. You're not alone moments. Um, More than anything, I can just always count on you to point me back to Jesus. And that's really the only source worth mentioning. So I'm grateful to know from someone like you who you've been in it longer than I have that he is faithful even in those messes of motherhood. Mm -hmm. So do you have a final word of encouragement that you might just want to share with all of us as we go on about our week? Sure. Mama, the Lord loves you, faults and all, and He gave those babies to you or that child to you for a reason, and you can do this with God's help. And so be encouraged and don't be afraid. God is good. He is faithful. That's great, Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was an honor. I'm just blessed to share. I hope it helps. 
Well, guys, as always, you can find all the resources mentioned in the conversation notes. And like I mentioned back at the beginning, this episode wraps up the 2019 year, which is so hard to believe. But don't worry, we will be back with more stories of God's faithfulness on January 7th. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. You can also join our email list and you can stay connected by following the Messy Table podcast on Instagram. And as this year comes to a close, honestly, it would mean so much if you would share this podcast with a friend, share it on social media, or leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Now, this doesn't require any of your money and only takes a few minutes of your time, but it does help increase the visibility of this podcast and helps other women find these encouraging stories of hope. So we'll meet you right back here on January 7th. In the meantime, we hope you have a fabulous Christmas. And mostly, don't forget, that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.